blessing on this right now. Would you join me in prayer, please? Abba Father, thank you for everyone that's here, those listening online. Uh, Lord, we need you, and we need the covering of the blood of your Son that cleanses us from all sin. We need the still, small voice that guides us in the way in which we should walk and how we do life. Lord, in your kindness and in your favor, would you speak to your people now? Thank you for Terry, who loves you, gave his heart to you, and knows the new birth. Thank you that he's not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of you. And thank you for the way he's found home to you. Thank you, Father, for your love and mercy. Open up, open up our hearts, our eyes, our ears, our mind to see, hear, and understand your word and how you call us to follow you. Please, I'm asking because of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. Those online, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, please post your questions. Stephen's monitoring that and get ready to share in the Lord's Supper with us. Uh, uh, it's going to be good. Okay. I thought I would begin by sharing uh, a recommended Christmas wreath for 2020. I, th I thought it <laughs> might get at something just a little bit. You know, just what, thank you for the chuckle. That's what it was meant to do. Just when you thought it couldn't get worse. So, you know, a toilet paper wreath and all the weeping, you know, it's okay. Uh, I thought about putting a shot of the moon up. It actually is the Death Star, but you've probably seen that one, so, so you won't do that. So, all right, um, uh, let's get into it. The self-emptied life. You know, Paul clearly told us in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And although he was in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God something to grab at, but instead he took the form of a servant. In other words, he emptied himself. He emptied himself, himself of the privileges, the prerogatives, the glory of heaven, and came to earth. He emptied himself, took the form of a servant, and became obedient as a servant, even to the point of death. And therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. When you read Philippians, you realize Paul sets himself up as an example. Paul in prison and his attitudes in prison. Jesus taking the form of a servant. Timothy, proven worth like a faithful son that loves dad. Epaphroditus, the soldier, willing to risk his life. A man of great courage. And then here we go again. Paul saying, hey, I'm going to see another reason why I'm self-emptied. But don't misunderstand what the self-emptied life looks like. It's a life with tremendous focus and tremendous drive and passion. It's like an athlete running a race. So here's the text. Let's read it together. And, and then uh, I want to open up God's word and show you some exciting things. Not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of that for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature, let's have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you as well. 
However, let's keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. We're getting at the heart of Paul. So here's some pictures to get you thinking. Um, this is a Hindu priest. And if you study the Hindu faith, you understand what nirvana is. Does this ring a bell with anybody, nirvana? Anybody online, do you know what nirvana is? In its fullest form, what's that? A band. Right, exactly. It's a rock band. And no, uh, In Hindu religion, it's, it's, uh, it's self-emptying, but it's, it's self-emptying emptying to the point that you become nothing. It's nothing. To attain to nirvana means there's nothing. You're empty, there's nothing. So, people don't irritate you because people are nothing to you. You don't need food because food is nothing. What is hunger? It's nothing. It's the blowing out of self. There's nothing left. And so that you have this mindless, empty nothing. Okay. Uh, that certainly can't be what is presented in the New Testament at all. Now, is it true that we die to self and those kinds? Yes, of course, you know. Um, but to take it to that kind of extreme is really, really unhealthy. What about this one? Check this out. This is a, a striking image. These are all athletes. Yes, that is you know, Usain Bolt in, the, uh, Bolt in the middle, one of the fastest human beings to ever, to ever run. Uh, look at their faces. What do you notice about all of them? Their eyes. Look at their eyes. What do you notice? They've got the eyes on the prize, Linda. They're all staring at the same thing. And that thing is the finish line. They're all staring at it. Absolutely consumed with one thing, crossing the finish line before anybody else. Okay. This actual race is in keeping with the original Olympic Games, which started in Greek culture. In fact, where Paul is writing, people were enamored with and caught up in the spirit of the games. In, in Macedonia and the whole region and the peninsula, they, man, it was all about the stadium and going and to watch the foot race and how these men would compete and they would keep their eye on the prize. So the, the, the thing that you see here is they're all looking at the same thing and they're all striving, leaning forward. Nobody's rocking back to run. They're absolutely leaning forward and they're giving it all that they have. Now here's another picture. Uh, this is just humans, extremely busy, going, 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 and we're on our iPhones, <laughs> okay? All the time. It's like, man, there we are, all right? So when you get at the heart of Paul, you got to kind of figure out if we're going to apply this to ourselves. Man, where are we? Are we in this kind of twisted state or nirvana or you just go like, you know, I don't care. I don't care, whatever. And you just kind of go on through life because you just don't care anymore. Or do we see ourselves as, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy to care. I'm so caught up in, in, in oh, but did, did, I, did anybody like my post? You know, we're caught up in the iPhone and all that kind of stuff. Um, or do we see ourselves as athletes, spiritual athletes, where we are radically committed to the goal and prize? So let's look at some things here from Philippians 3. Uh, what I want you to see is there's a really a core idea that Paul is giving, and you can see it in 12, 13, 14. So in verse 12, Paul says, hey, 
I'm not telling you guys that I've grasped it or that I, I got it all. That is an important idea because there were some people at Philippi who saw themselves as being very, very spiritual. And because of that, they believed that they had kind of, they crossed the finish line early. I don't know if you know anybody like that. They feel like they've crossed the spiritual finish line early. And so they think they're perfect. And Paul is saying, hey, you know what? That's not me. I don't think I've done that. But I want you to know something radical happened to me, kind of like Terry. God got a hold of Terry's heart. Jesus got a hold of Paul's heart. And I want to grab at that thing that grabbed me. And because of that, I press on. So that's the idea. I'm pressing on. And then he says in verse 14, I'm going to continue to press on. We're pressing on, we're pressing on. And right in between, he says, brothers and sisters, I don't regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. I haven't crossed the finish line yet. But one thing I do, and in Greek it means one thing. It's really what it means. One thing. I forget what lies behind, and I reach forward what lies ahead. So it's going to look something like this. This is the core idea. Forgetting, reaching forward. Forgetting, reaching forward. Both of those words are, are actually saying, um, I forget because it's the best thing for me to do. I reach forward because it's the best thing for me to do. And I do this all the time. Paul's faith is not a, a part-time faith. It's not a once-in-a-while kind of faith. I do this all the time because it's, it's what my life is all about. I'm pressing on, I'm pressing on. The way you do that, forget what's behind. Push forward for what's ahead. So, all right, let's look at this. By the way, there's a, there's a real play on words here. It's kind of interesting. Paul says, not that I've grasped it all, or I've already become perfect. The word perfect means it's telos. It means to go to the end point, to be mature, to be complete. Then he comes back around and says, you know, hey, I'm not perfect or complete. But then in verse 15, it says, therefore, all who are mature, telos, the same word. All who are mature, you get what I'm saying. And there's a certain attitude that comes with it. And if anybody doesn't get it, doesn't have the right attitude, God will show you. So here's what Paul is saying. And it's a play on words. Maybe you've heard this before. Uh, when you reach maturity, you realize just how immature you are. That's what he's actually saying. When you reach maturity, you realize just how immature you are. Or in other words, uh, maybe you would say this, when you finally kind of get your education and you learn and you get, you get a degree or two or something like that, you realize just how much you don't know. That's the idea. So Paul's using the same word from a couple of different perspectives. But once you start to figure stuff out, you realize just how much there is to learn and gain. Absolutely profound. So let's, let's do this. I, I want to hand this over to you because I'm, I'm, I need to hear from you this morning, and I know people online do too. Um, remember, when we share as the body of Christ, we do this because the Holy Spirit's inside of us. And because he speaks to us and he speaks through us. And so what you have to say is very, 
very important. And I want to honor the Lord in you. And so I want you to prepare your heart for this, okay? So let's, let's look at this. Um, this is a very important picture that I've got up for you. It's a shot of a windshield. A guy's driving, and you've got a real small view of, of a, a rearview mirror and a real big windshield, okay? And I want, I want you to get a hold of that idea for a bit. Paul is saying, I'm forgetting what's behind, and I'm leaning forward. I'm, I'm literally pressing in to push forward with my life. Um, I think some of us, we understand that, that the big view of the windshield is great. We do need a little view to kind of glance back and remember some things. But when, when we get those things backwards and we've got a giant rear view perspective and we're so consumed with, the, with what's going on behind us and fixating on the past, it's really hard to see the present and the future and that kind of life is a, is, is a really dark life. Um, when you live behind, when you live in the past, you will miss what God is doing in the right here, right now. And you'll miss the future. We need to look through the windshield and have a visual orientation to the windshield and not to the rearview mirror. Or to use Paul's words, to forget what's behind. To literally change your perspective, change your point of view about the past, and to rush forward like an athlete. Did Paul ever remember his past? Can you think of anything, Joe? What did he say? Do you remember? Two verses ago, didn't he? It's rubbish. Yeah, he, looking backwards. Yeah. Remember what he said uh, in, to Timothy? He said, Timothy, I'm the chief sinner. You know, I remember what I did. You know, I was on the road to Damascus. So Paul knew how to look backwards. It's okay. Paul knew how to remember his past, but what he didn't do is fixate on it. Okay, does that make sense? Do you realize that when Paul was actually Saul, he did some horrible things to people, arresting Christians, right? Okay, what if Paul fixated on that? Who would Paul become, right? Um, there comes a point in which when we fixate on our past and our mistakes and maybe the worst about ourselves, that we lose what Christ has accomplished in us, what God has done through his son in us. If all you do is fixate on your past. Okay. Paul knew better. Paul was a man in Christ. By the way, huge idea. If you, if you want to do a search in Bible Gateway, just do quote-unquote in Christ, and watch what comes up. How many times that idea is repeated in Paul? I want to be found in him. So think of it spatially, like a room. I want to be in the Christ room, not outside in the other room or the world room. I want to be in Christ. It's a huge idea. So yeah, we can look back, but for Paul, we've got to press in and we've got to, we've got to reach forward as though we're gonna cross the, the, the line, giving it everything we have. Or they, as they say sometimes by the coaches, leave nothing in the bucket, empty it all, give it all you got, you know. So there's nothing left. We need to press forward. So you are the gifted body of Christ. You know, sh you know should we go to that twisted nirvana where we just, we don't care because we don't care because after all, everything's nothing? The absurdity of nothingness? Is that where we should go with our faith? No. 
should we just say, you know what, I'm so busy and, and man, my, you know, the goal of my life is to fill up my calendar and stay busy. Is that the goal of a life? Or should we be like an athlete? Paul is saying that's what he is. And run that race with our eyes absolutely just drilling on that on that finish line. You are the body of Christ. Counsel yourselves well. People online listening, how would you speak and advise? How would you counsel? How would you challenge on what it takes for a believer to forget what's behind, to reach for what's in front, for this prize of the upward call of God that is in Christ Jesus? What would you say? You're the church. Thank you, Philip. Someone else. Why this text matters? How do we live it out? A life that's forgetting what's behind, reaching forward, fixing your eyes on the prize, which is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Anybody? Anybody? Janice? I think sometimes um, Satan tries to trap us up in looking at our past. Mm-hmm. And then we become so caught up in maybe the guilt or the shame of it, even though we know we've been saved and washed clean, but it makes us ineffective Christians. So that is, I think, what we really need to be aware of, is not to let that, well, I've been, you know, my past so bad, blah, 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 that now I can't even, you know, witness to other people or put myself there to be available for them when they need me because I'm all caught up in my own shame and guilt. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Janice. You know, uh, it, it it's a curious psychology that when you direct all kinds of energy inward and you kind of concerned about how bad you are, that you become a very selfish person. <laughs> you know, you're so bad that you're no good to anybody else because you're so consumed with yourself. Yeah, and that, that gets real unhealthy. So, uh, Stephen, let me know if there's somebody online and uh, posting a question or a comment. We want to hear from you. Ed, yes, sir. Uh, so, continue with the athletic analogy. Um, I used to coach cross country team at small college in Phoenix. Uh, obviously, I was doing it on the other side. But one of the things that always the, the visual image that sticks that stuck in my mind the most from that experience is watching athletes run in that context. 
there's this one young lady in the women's race, one figure event, and she she put everybody away by a mile. I mean, I, maybe not a little, but a long way, right? <clears throat> Almost every other athlete there running that race, they looked like they were running a long race. Like there's there's tension in their face and the they were striving and everything was hard. She didn't look like that at all. Hmm. Her face was relaxed, her body was relaxed, but she was running faster than everybody else hmm. and moving more smoothly and gracefully and quickly than everybody else there. Hmm. Because she wasn't letting the things that would allow tension to distract from the actual objective. She was relaxed and releasing herself from the tension points that would suck the energy out of the actual goal. Yeah, yeah. And so that might be a way to think about this is letting go of those things is a way to let go of those tensions that you might think, I'm in a strain, so I'm like this. But actually that strain is taking away from the energy necessary to do what you need to do. And so letting go of those things, letting so that you can focus on the goal. And thank you. It's literally, literally this is what Paul means. In fact, the word attitude is freneo, the word frenetic, our brains, you know, our brain, Brandon, it, you know, frenetics, okay? And, and the attitude that you have makes it or breaks it. Yeah, you know, um, if, if you believe that uh, stoplights are God's curse on, on earth and that wherever you drive, it makes it extremely miserable. And if it wasn't for stop signs and stoplights, you know, life would be pretty good. <laughs> you got a real bad attitude, right? So some of you are smiling. Maybe, maybe you feel that way too. And like maybe they know it's you when you're going down the road. Yeah. Your attitude is everything, Ed, yeah, absolutely. Um, Linda, I think? I like your analogy of the I like that. We learn from it, but don't live there. I'm not dwelling in the shadow of death. I like that. Brilliant, brilliant. Good counsel, good counsel. Steve? Uh, Jennifer Burgess online says, I think dwelling on these verses just now is helping me understand forgiveness better, both giving it and receiving Wow. Jennifer, uh, it's so good to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, Jennifer, you're hitting a bit of a nerve because uh, for a lot of us, Things have happened in the past, not necessarily that we've done, but things that have happened to us. And uh, forgiveness is, uh, it's hard. It's hard. And uh, yes, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you very, very much. Someone else, I, I wanna read a couple things. Someone else, hi, Jen, so good to see you. I believe you. 
someone else on, on the text, how we live this out, why this matters. Joe? I think Paul is true when he's discussed here in this chapter, essentially he's, he's a guy who was able to let go of something he called a lot of himself. Mm. Um, we, we discussed how much it took to become the level of Pharisee that he was, yeah. the memorization of the Torah and all that. He considered it not only was able to let it go with the past, but he didn't, well, look, God, I left all this for you, and I did a lot of work, and now I take on Christ. Never. It was rubbish to him. And he, it was rubbish to him because he found the one thing that putting your effort and energy into pays back, which is Christ. Yeah. And that's so pertinent today to me because we fill our, you know, we take our jobs and throw our energy to that. We take uh, relationships and throw our energy. Politics is probably a very good example right now. You take all your energy and throw it into politics, it never pays you back. Mm-hmm. It never returns it. Uh, Paul has found the one thing that does and returns more than you put into it. And that is why he's able to hustle so hard. And even when he's reached a mature level of maturity, to say, I haven't grasped it yet, I'm still running. Yeah. Because I yeah. know this is Yeah, that's so good, Joe. So good. I want to say about a friend of mine named Jack Hollingsworth. Jack passed away several years ago. Jack was just a mountain of a man, and a plumber would fill up the doorway. And when I would shake hands with Jack, uh, it's like his fingers were like pickles. They're just huge, you know, and, and they were dry, and they were calloused, and his hand was just thick and, and rugged. And you knew Jack did manual labor by his hands, all right? Now, in the world of Paul, if you had hands like that, guess what? That was shameful. It was a shameful thing because it means you must be a low-status person if you work with your hands, all right? Now, the Apostle Paul, what did he do? What was his job? He was a tent maker. Do you understand what Paul's hands looked like? Anybody venture a guess? They were, they were callous, certainly, but they were stained. Have you ever seen anybody's hands who work with dyes and colors and things and charcoals and stuff? His hands were stained. So if, if Paul was approaching you and he waved and said, hi, you would look at his hands and go, oh, there's a common laborer. There's a low-status person. Look at his hands, okay? I was talking with a, a, a doctor, we were having coffee, two doctors actually, and, and one had completed residency and, and the hard, hard work of all that. And I said, hey, would you walk away from your medical degree and residency to sell coffee? And they went, no way, no way. Yeah. Paul was willing to leave a job where his hands looked great walk away from all the elite credentials and the elite high honor status and become a low status person making tents to help launch the mission. The self-emptied life isn't passivity. The self-emptied life is actually hard work. Devoting yourself profoundly to things. Someone else, anybody, Stephen, online? Yeah, uh, Brian Hope says, I had a chance to pray for a because I had been distracted by my own selfishness and did not feel the joy of his blessings. I felt empty. So you must slow down to count your blessings to enjoy your blessings. If we humbly ask God's spirit, uh, he will change our hearts and minds in order to follow Christ fully. 
Brian, thank you so very, very much. I'm going to read two prayers to you right now. I have permission to share this. Uh, these two prayers are from Sally Roberts and Warren Roberts. Uh, Warren's son, Jonathan, works for a tree trimming company, and a situation happened. He was up next to the power lines, and evidently uh, they were supposed to de-energize the lines. Uh, your electrician, Kirby, you know what all that means? They didn't. They didn't shut him down. He touched the power lines, was horribly electrocuted, faint heartbeat when they got him to ER, but he, but he died, okay? And the funeral was, uh, was yesterday at two. Sally sent me her, her prayer and then Warren after that. And when I read them, I, I, I just wanted to cry. I, I, it, it moved me deeply that they would let something that personal uh, be shared with me. It, it, that moved me deeply. But it moved me deeply that their hearts are broken and what they longed for, like like the prize, the gold, the thing that they were looking at, the, the skapas, the gold. Sometimes it was just a white stone, a white marker put out there. And that's the finish line. Look for the skapas, the stone. And right now, if, if I said, Warren, what's your, what's your goal? What is it? And Sally, they'd say, we want our son back. That's what we want. That's what we long for. Listen to their heart in these prayers. Sally says, God, I'm at the stage of mourning that I now start to question you and your purpose. I know it's in my heart that I truly believe, but I still question. No amount of unanswered questions will bring Jonathan back. Do I feel his spirit? Yes, I do. However, the spirit that I feel most is that of Jesus. I know he is comforting me and holding me. I know he is also holding my son. I touched his cold body, and yet I felt the warmth of how wonderful he was. I kissed his cold cheek, and I know he felt it. I do want him back just to hold him and nurse him back to health just like a mother would. I know he is with someone greater and as the true healing power of faith. I loved him and will always love him. My heart is broken into tiny pieces. I know that it's going to be hard, but I rest on the comfort of Christ. I rest in the knowledge of knowing I will see him again. I held him as an infant in my arms and nursed him. I watched him go and become a man, a husband, and a father. I know now that he is among the angels, and he will grow that much more. Jonathan, Jacob, Roberts, I love you forever. Thank you, Jesus, for comforting me. Hold his sweet wife, Lindsay, close, and little Rachel also. A few minutes later, Warren sent this to me. Dear God, I just wanted to let you know how I'm doing today. You know, that's so, that's so warm. Hey, God, checking in. Just want to let you know how I'm doing today. Feeling a little better than yesterday, but still trying to make sense of what happened. I know I have lashed out and asked why. And I know at the right time, you will reveal to me what I need to know. My heart has a big hole that feels like it will never heal 
but I know you will continue to hold me near and you'll provide the peace I need to move forward. Ooh, Linda, forgetting what's behind, pressing forward. Please know that I don't doubt you, but call on you for the strength needed to get through this. Please hold my son and let him know how much he will be missed and how much he touched so many souls he has missed but will never be forgotten. In closing, I just want to say I love you and know you're my best friend. Please continue to give us all strength and comfort and watch over us. Place your arms around Lindsay and the baby to console them and give them peace. Love you, your child, Warren. You know, there's something undeniable about a heart and, and Ed, an attitude that focused. It's undeniable. And that is why Paul said, let this attitude or mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Someone else, the wisdom of this text, calling us to run this race. Stephen? Yeah, so, uh, Mom McCormick, She says, I wanted to say that listening to this makes me think of how I lived with Judah. And when we hit a stumbling point, I'm having to discipline him. And when I'm talking him through what's happening and letting him know that whatever he has done, that was wrong, uh, but that is now in the past. Uh, now we have a chance to do better. We have a chance to be kind because God is bigger than me. So I have to live with you. And now, through grace, we got to be better. I know that's a really simple analogy, but I think it applies to all of this. And I have to remind myself of this on a daily basis when I make mistakes. Um, and certainly trying to move forward with grace is hard, but when I remember when I'm telling my son that, yes, we made a mistake, but guess what? Jesus has given us grace, and we have the opportunity of the wonderful, amazing opportunity to be better this time. Mm -hmm. we, get to, we get a second chance. And I'm just amazed by the little simple things when I'm teaching him about God's love and how that really pierces my heart when I tell him that we have the opportunity through God's grace and love to look forward to the future, to not live in the past. We've been forgiven, um, and that's a gift that I want to be able to use uh, in my walk with Christ. Mm. Laura, thank you so much for speaking wisdom. Yes, and God loves us, and we love because he first loved us. Someone else, wisdom, you want to give Andrea? Sure, sure. I think this, Andrea, comes from two things, okay? The Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, okay? The Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. John chapter 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. All right. So we, if we're born again, if we know the new birth, we've truly been saved, we will hear the voice of Jesus. Okay. The voice of the Holy Spirit guiding us, calling us, you know, instructing us, encouraging us. That's what we do. And that can take place anywhere. At work, in the car, the whole bit. Okay. Everywhere. And yet, it's the body of Christ 
and the encouragement that we bring to each other because we're here in community, that we get a glimpse, Andrew, of what the right attitude is. And that challenges us and encourages us. Uh, Andrew, this is a, a tremendous case for why we have to be together as the church. We cannot make it, I cannot make it alone. I can't. I don't have it within me to do that. But I do if we have community and we need each other. So I've already been encouraged because of Ed Lowry and the story about a lady running in, uh, on a team and who was running in a kind of joy that energized her life as opposed to others who are running in a kind of misery and that takes so much energy you're almost wearing yourself out for the grief of the moment that you lose strength. So here again, my attitude is tweaked. Move toward Christ because I've listened to Ed and Laura and Linda and all of you. Andrew, your question is salient. It's an important question. The Holy Spirit, the body of Christ. And certainly, uh, Andrew, we get that from Scripture. Remember your four best friends, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? You want to know what the right attitude is? They'll, they'll show you. Those four guys will reveal the mindset of Jesus. Thank you. Someone else on how we live this out? Anybody? Somebody online? Okay. Okay. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you. Um, do you think Sally and Warren and Kinsey, and their daughter Kinsey, do you think they could use some encouragement now? I'm sure. Sure. Uh, Randy and, and Nedra are here. Uh, you know, they shared uh, their journey and how sometimes their hearts have been broken too, and yet they press on and they have that proper, healthy perspective of the past, heartbreaking though it may be, but they press forward. They, they keep reaching forward with all that they've got. Um, I think Randy and Nedra need encouragement. So. Uh, Andrew, another thing we do is, is worship together. When we're all singing the same lyrics to the same song, we have a chance to have our minds renewed, our attitudes adjusted, so that we will have this attitude that is found in Christ. And we will be uh, Ed filled with the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Isaiah 40, those that wait on the Lord renew their strength. Absolutely. Anybody else? I'll give you an opportunity to share. Stephen, anybody online? Okay. Uh, thank you, Laura. Thank you very much, Jennifer and everybody. I want to pray and ask for God's blessing on our hearts. Abba, Father, I love you, and I thank you for the way you've shown us uh, that your grace is real and that you call us to walk with you and to run the race, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and is now sit down at your, your, right, your right side. Abba, Father, thank you that we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. We can run the race. Abba, Father, thank you. Lord, we're going to get our hearts 
dialed into worship and to sing these songs just like we're singing them to you. Just like Warren and Sally were pouring their hearts out to you. We're going to do the same in song. Help our worship to be pleasing and acceptable in your eyes. Thank you for allowing us to be found in your son. Having a righteousness not by the law. But absolutely and singularly found in your son Jesus. Father, we love you. Help us now to worship. In Jesus' name, amen.